Tanzanian President John Pombe Magufuli passed away yesterday. But there had been rumors that he's been dead for a few days and there's a power struggle in Tanzania and that's why they didn't want to release the news of his death to the public. Oh, waiting only until yesterday the Vice President addressed the nation. So why is there a mystery around an African president health? or death for that matter. I think there are a few cabos around the president in African countries who want to control the narrative, who want to gain power by all means. In 1978, when the health of the founding Kenyan president Jomo Kenyatta was shaky, he banned all talk about his, his health or even death. And he said that that would be considered treasonous with dire consequences. And all that did was to make the powerful men around Jomo Kenyatta silent, but they were not silent on the power machinations that followed. So what followed was the founding president died in the Kenyan coastal city of Mombasa on August 22, 1978. And then there was a power struggle to try and stop the Vice President Daniel Arap Moyo from succeeding him. So these are then just the kind of power struggles that surrounds an African president death. And I'm sure even Tanzania, there were those who wanted to take power away from the Vice President. And so why this fascination with uh, the President's close men, mostly men, with taking over power after President's dies what about following the constitution so we need to be able to make sure we have the institutions that function it cannot just be built that a president's court hangers think that when the president has ill health it is time for them to swing into action and take over power we have seen even in zimbabwe the time he was the time in his uh, sunset days, Robert Mugabe would sleep in uh, public rallies or even in meetings. So, and maybe that's why uh, Zimbabwe descended into economic anarchy because Mugabe was just not in control. It was his power man, beginning with his wife, Grace Mugabe, who were calling the shots. And so, we need to address this cabal around the president who used the ill health of the president or even the death of the president to amass power within themselves so that means the african institutions are just not functioning even though it is expressly stated in most african constitutions that the power is transferred to the vice or the deputy president for that matter the power men around the president merely consider the vice president as a passing cloud as the Kenyan president Daniel Arap Moy was called in his in his days. So we think to, we need to have a society where the where the constitution is followed to the letter, where institutions work. For truly there is as Botswana's former president Festus Mugai said Africa needs strong institutions, not strong men and institutions. And the only way we are going to ensure that there's peaceful transfer of power in Africa. 
so you can get all these ideas in my book that is uh, the new africa rising that is the new africa rising by Collins mabinda okango that is the new africa rising by Collins mabinda okango it goes for only 4.99 dollars so here's a sneak preview of the book here's a sneak preview of the book here's page one of the book how is a continent that has so much potential Abundant natural resources and unlimited human capital sit at the tail end in almost all important global statistical measurements. Africa accounts for just 1% of global trade, 1% of new patents, 1% of stock market activity, to name just but a few of the economic parameters. How can the continent increase its economic output to the world? and in return become more wealthy and prosperous. And most importantly, who is to blame for the continent's woes? Is it the bad leadership, the unfair world trade practices that favor the rich and developed countries, or a combination of both internal and external factors? In the 1960s, the independence wave swept across several African countries, and yet, 50 years later, the same problems that encumbered the continent then are still the same ones that the continent grapples with. War, disease and poverty are still in the national manifestos and vision statements of several African countries. There are more ideas that haven't translated to tangible benefits on the ground. And yet, journalists and public commentators continue to proclaim that six of the ten fastest growing economies in the world are in Africa. So. Even in the midst of all the tragedies and despair, there's a palpable sense of renewal that is sweeping across Africa, especially among the continent's young population. With these small gradual steps that are being made in many African states, result in an exponential growth that will catapult the continent to sit at the center of world affairs rather than at the periphery. Or will these small steps merely be a bubble which will burst as fast as it appears. In 2013, China launched the Chinese Dream, a kind of an adaptation to the American Dream in which China hopes to be a global superpower. What can be an African Dream be made of? What can an African Dream consist of? We need a per capita income of no less than $10,000 within the next 10 to 15 years. I know that sounds a miracle, but it can be achieved. China lifted 500 million people out of poverty in a record 20 years, and so in Africa. Africa has the material resources, the human capital, and the ingenuity to lift all its 1 billion people out of poverty. And so that's the sneak preview of page 1 of the book, The New Africa Rising, by Collins Mabinda Okango. That is available on Amazon for only. $4.99. Get it on Amazon for only $4.99. You can also find these ideas and many more on www.mabinda.com. That is www.mabinda.com. Mabinda is M A B I N D A. M A B I N D A. That is www.mabinda.com. Thank you.